Well, folks, it looks like another classified document has gone missing from the federal government. This one contains information about Russia's interference in the 2016 presidential election. And it was last seen quite literally in the hands of Donald Trump. So this document that also contains other national security information about Russia, that the disappearance of it has now made our European allies very nervous. But again, it has not been seen for years and was last seen in the hands of Donald J. Trump a few days before he left the white house. Now I know what you're thinking, right? But let's look at this rationally. Okay. Let's not jump to any conclusions about what may have happened to this document about Russian interference in the 2016 election. Let's, let's put on our investigator caps, shall we? Cause there's a couple things, you know, in order to identify a suspect, cause right now it could be anybody, right? I mean, totally could be anybody. So let's narrow it down a bit. First and foremost, this document was so highly classified that even people with top secret security clearance, like the top of the top members of Congress, they were only allowed to view it at the headquarters in Langley. So this was not a document that was just handed out willy nilly. So first of all, you gotta have somebody who somehow is above all of that that can actually request that the document leave the facility at Langley. Okay. So there's your criteria. Number one for finding a suspect. Number two, you have to find somebody that would, you know, be interested in, uh, you know, Russia's interference in the 2016 election. So there's criteria. Number two, number three, it, it would help if, if any of the possible people who meet the first two criteria, do any of them have a, uh, knack for taking classified documents. Hmm. Okay. So those are three criteria, but number four, obviously a highly sensitive, sensitive piece of classified intelligence. So even if you meet all three, the fourth criteria would be, you have to have somebody who's either stupid enough or arrogant enough to think that they're not going to get caught taking this document. I got nothing. I mean, as far as I could tell, there's literally nobody on this planet that would meet all those criteria except for Donald Trump. Like literally every single box of who it could be is just Donald Trump. Now I'm not saying Trump took the document. All I'm saying is that he had the opportunity. He had the motivation and he's done it before. And he was the last one seen with it. It's like if you're having a cookout and you're making a bunch of burgers and you ask this one guy, Hey, go take the burgers to the table. By the time the guy who had the burgers gets to the table, all the burgers are gone. So you're looking at all your guests, like who ate all the burgers, but the guy that was taking them to the table was actually the hamburglar. And he's like, I don't know. I don't know, man. Just burgers beats the hell out of me. Like, no, everybody's of course going to assume the hamburglar ate all your burgers. 
And that's what we're dealing with right now. Donald Trump obviously does not want people to know what really happened in the 2016 presidential election. He was the last one with the document. Now the document is missing. Donald Trump, of course, has taken classified documents in the past. So was this not one of the ones at Mar-a-Lago? Do we need to go dig up Ivanka and see if this document is buried with her? Like, I'm not even kidding. There is a possibility he put this in her coffin. So I don't know if y'all want to find it. I'd say get some shovels and head up to Bedminster because that's probably your best bet of getting that document back. Republican representative Elise Stefanik, who at one point a couple years ago was actually a more moderate type Republican. You know, she wasn't completely sure about Donald Trump, but uh, she came around pretty quickly and she has now become an ardent advocate for Donald Trump. And this past week, she decided to suck up to him in the most disgusting way by filing an ethics complaint against U.S. District Judge Beryl Howell. Now, Howell has a long history with Donald Trump. In addition to trying many of the, uh, uh, you know, January 6 cases, Howell was also the one who oversaw the grand jury for the Mueller investigation. She has, uh, you know, been, been instrumental in the Jack Smith investigation and let's not, let's not forget, excuse me. Uh, she's also overseeing the defamation trial against Rudy Giuliani this week. So yeah, Beryl Howell has kind of rubbed Donald Trump the wrong way. So Elise Stefanik says, step back, Jack, I got your back. And I'm going to file a complaint against her because I think she is letting politics interfere with her judicial decisions. Howell has also for the record, just to put it out there, she's also ruled against Trump's lawyers on many different instances, but that's because they file such stupid and horrible things. She really has no choice but to do that. So here's what happened. Uh, November 27th, it was Beryl Howell goes and receives, uh, uh, not receives an award, but she's speaking at a women's white collar defense association gala. And Stefanik, according to NBC news, argues in her complaint that Howell's remarks were quote, hardly apolitical and that the judge's remarks were plainly inappropriate, consisting of partisan statements, election interference, and improper extrajudicial statements while criminal cases are pending pretty serious allegations, right? So what is it that judge Howell said that was so bad that led to this complaint against her? Let me read it. My DC judicial colleagues and I regularly see the impact of big lies at the sentencing of hundreds, hundreds of individuals who have been convicted for off, uh, for offense conduct, uh, uh, on January 6, 2021, when they disrupted the certification of the 2020 presidential election at the U S Capitol as district court judges, we're all about the facts. Where, where, where's the problem now, Stefanik did go on to say after she pointed out that she's like, uh, you know, she then referenced a passage in a book by Heather Cox Richardson, author of democracy awakening, awakening that said the U S was quote at a crossroads teetering on the brink of authoritarianism. And she says that's evidence that the judge's speech veered into politicization. And she argued that Howell quote promoted the Democrat political campaign theme that the reelection of Donald Trump equates to America choosing authoritarianism. 
Yeah. See, the problem is Beryl Howell never mentioned any specific cases. She only talked about the cases that had already been decided. She also never mentioned Donald Trump by name or any other Republican by name or any defendant by name. She gave a speech in an event she was invited to, and she's allowed to say whatever the hell she wants, basically, as long as she's not giving up information about ongoing actual cases. Now, I get what Stefanik is attempting to do here. She's just trying to suck up to Donald Trump. She knows this complaint will go nowhere because there's no actual allegations in the complaint. Here's the thing. If it were illegal for a judge, any judge, let's say, I don't know, Supreme court judge to go to an event, you know, even a political partisan event and then talk politics. If that were illegal, then guess what? 100% of the United States Supreme court would be in prison right now or at least removed from the bench, not to mention nearly every single federal judge in this country would also be either imprisoned or removed from the bench. You can find instances like this with again, pretty much every judge in this country who attends a political event. They're allowed to talk politics. They're allowed to have their political ideologies. When it becomes a problem is when that political ideology makes its way into their rulings. And even that is difficult to prove. So Stefanik has nothing and she knows she has nothing, but she knows that every now and then you got to bend over. Well, Trump's got to bend over and you got to kiss the behind and by God, Stefanik knew it was her turn. So she filed this idiotic complaint knowing it'll go nowhere, but also knowing that it'll make Trump happy. In court hearings this past week in the state of Michigan, uh, Michigan's Democratic Attorney General, Dana Nessel, was trying to make the case in these pre-trial hearings that all of the people that she indicted for serving as fake Republican electors in 2020, all of them should stand trial for what they did. Now the defense lawyers for these individuals were trying to argue that no, 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 no. These people did not have criminal intent because they didn't know that they were signing fraudulent, illegal documents. They were told, however, by a Trump campaign lawyer that all of this was on the level. So you don't have intent. You don't have a crime because they were all hoodwinked by Donald Trump's campaign lawyers. So you see what these Republicans in Michigan just did by trying to get themselves out of trouble by acting as fake electors, they decided to throw the Trump campaign under the bus and both just for the good of the country and for the good of their defense, it was a really smart move. But let me give you the backstory on what happened on December 14th of the year, 2020, right before the Capitol riot, but after the November election, you know, that weird period of time where Trump was doing whatever to hang on to power. He had a lawyer for his campaign in Michigan by the name of Sean Flynn. Now, Mr. Flynn held a meeting December 14th at the Republican party headquarters in Michigan, but it wasn't just at the headquarters. They held it in the basement of the Michigan Republican party's headquarters. Like we can't do this out in the open. Let's go get get in the basement. Let's talk about this quietly. And it was at that point that one of the defendants said that this lawyer, Mr. Flynn came in. Well, here, let me say it. Uh, uh, 
Tony Zamet, the former communications director for the Michigan Republican Party, uh, he was in the building at the time, but not present for the entire meeting, said that he thought Flynn had taken advantage of the Republicans who participated in signing the document. You know, we're the fake elect, we're the real electors, Trump won, here's our votes. I thought they were going along with what the lawyers were telling them, he said. Zamet's remarks could be key because prosecutors must eventually prove the Republicans who signed the false electoral certificate had an, quote, intent to defraud a standard that could be more difficult to reach if lawyers working for Trump were indeed directing the Michigan Republicans to take the actions they did, or if the Republican activists didn't understand what they were signing. So it sounds like these fake electors in Michigan got a pretty good defense. Now, I won't be surprised if the judge still says they have to go to trial, at which point they'll make this defense and they could get off. But you know what that means? If these fake electors get off, then all the attorney general has to do is turn around and say, okay, there's no intent with you guys. But what about Mr. Flynn? What about higher ups at the Trump campaign? You know what? What about Donald Trump himself? who according to Kenneth Chesbro, who is cooperating with this investigation, it kind of all came from the top. So if you can't get the fake electors on intent, then you just indict the people higher up. This is almost like getting a cooperation deal with these people. That's what I love about this. And I don't even think their lawyers realize it. They're just trying to make the case that these people shouldn't be charged. They should be allowed to go free, but in doing so, they're giving up all the goods and flipping on the people higher up on the ladder from them. So honestly, it's a win-win for Dana Nessel and the Michigan attorney general's office, because even if they can't get these people, they have given them enough information to lead to more indictments, possibly leading all the way up to Donald Trump himself. So thank you very much, fake Michigan electors. You've been very cooperative even though you really didn't even mean to. During one of his monologues late last week, Jimmy Kimmel tore into Donald Trump using clips of Donald Trump from a rally last week in Iowa, where Donald Trump tried to warn the crowd that President Biden is somehow so stupid, so incompetent, and so bad at his job that he is leading the United States into a depression, not just a recession folks, but a depression. Here's what Jimmy Kimmel had to say. Trump issued a stark warning about what would happen to the U S economy. Should president Biden serve another term and Trump insisted by the way, that it would be the worst depression in world history. So forget the great depression. Kimmel shows this clip of Trump talking in Iowa saying the United States is headed for the worst depression in world history. So Kimmel, once the clip was over, came back and pointed out that the day before, actually three hours before Donald Trump even said this, the Dow Jones hit a record high of 37,000 points. So 37,000 points, the Dow Jones, right? The stock market all time high. And Trump says, well, he's leading us into a depression. So Kimmel adds an all time high. When it went above $30,000 in 2020, when he was president, he was patting himself on the back like a monkey eating bugs off his shoulder blades. Now we're headed toward a depression. 
That's our Trump. If it's hot, he says it's cold. If it's black, he says it's white. If it's a funeral, he sings happy birthday. Unemployment is down to 3.7%. Inflation is down to 3.1%. Gas is down to $3.10 a gallon. But this Biden is terrible. He's leading us to a depression, Kimmel said. Now, as I've always said, I love when Kimmel does this. I love when all these late night talk show hosts do this. I, I do think Kimmel is like the best at it because he just hit with rapid fire statistics about how much better the economy overall has gotten today under Biden than it was under Trump. You know, he's talking about gas, $3.10. Uh, the gas station by my house is actually $2.59 this morning. It's crazy. Um, but things are getting better, at least on paper. I know there's millions of people struggling in this country whose situation has not improved. They're still struggling to buy groceries, but that's not because of what Biden did or didn't do. Actually might be what he didn't do because we're not holding corporations accountable for the price gouging. You know, I'd love it if Kimmel could get into that, but I know he can't. It's network. They have advertisers that are price gouging people. So he stays away from it. And that's unfortunate. But then Kimmel pointed out another thing that Trump said during this rally. Trump asked the rally goers to just point to one thing, one thing that is better since Biden became president. One thing better today than it was when Trump was president. And Kimmel wasted no time in pointing out exactly one thing that's so much better today than it was a few years ago. Trump asked supporters on Wednesday to name one thing that has gotten better under Biden. And I don't know, there's a lot. I can think of a lot of them. He actually just named a lot of them. But I think maybe number one is we're drinking less bleach. Now, for those of you who may have forgotten when COVID first burst onto the scene and, you know, the pandemic reached the shores of the United States and Trump was doing his daily press conferences during one of those is when Donald Trump suggested that, you know, maybe we do the injection of the bleach or the injection of the lights. Um, yeah, he, he did suggest putting bleach into our bodies to kill the COVID-19 virus. Now, the reason that part is the most important part of what Kimmel said is because Trump and the Republicans and all these Republican lackeys all over social media love to tell us that president Biden is just cognitively too impaired to function as a human being. He's lost a step. Sure. Speaks a little slower than he used to takes a little bit longer sometimes to think of the words he wants, but is he cognitively impaired? I don't think so. But even if he is, President Biden has never told the nation to inject bleach into your body. I think about that for a minute. Trump told people that maybe we're looking into injecting bleach into your body. And he has the audacity to say that Biden is cognitively impaired. Republicans across this country making jokes about Biden's, you know, slip ups and all that, forgetting that Trump said to inject bleach. And again, that's the power of Jimmy Kimmel. Because with all of the Trump gaffes, with all the Trump screw ups, with all the Trump scandals, we all remember this, but we'd also at the same time forgotten it. Like it wasn't something all of us thought of anymore. There's been too much since then. But Kimmel put that memory fresh in everybody's brains once again. And that's what needs to happen. Because if we're going to talk about presidential candidates being mentally unstable, 
I think the guy that says inject bleach into your body probably wins the prize for the most mentally unstable person currently running for president. Now, I know there's a couple others out there that are not far behind him, but at least they haven't told us to ingest bleach. Thanks for listening to today's Fair and Balanced Daily. Stay up to date with all of our content by finding us on YouTube at youtube.com slash fairandbalanced and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at fairandbalanced.